0: there. I'm Benny. And I'm Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I listen to Doctor Who, where I watch Doctor Who, and I tell you about it. I also listen to it. <laughs> and I watch you telling me about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're sitting here continuing from the last one. Uh, same recording session, new episode, and drinking
0: this... Um, pod broth that Kyle made us. Indeed. I'm still on my, my same mug. I've got a pretty big mug of pod broth here. (laughs)
1: Um, pod juice, freshly squeezed pod sauce. Um, and I have just discovered that as you get toward the bottom of the mug, it gets stronger and spicier. (laughs) Um... So if you can hear that in my voice, (laughs) I may sound a little different from the previous episode. Should make for good audio. Also, I have allergies, so um, every time it rains, which it has been, my allergies get worse. And also, um, Kyle has a beautiful cat named Matilda with lovely, luxurious long fur. And even though he did vacuum before the recording, which Kyle, I very much appreciate, (laughs) um, you may nevertheless hear my allergies... Get uh, a little more and more pronounced uh, the congestion
0: in my voice. Indeed, as the episode goes on. Though I the, suppose the, the more episodes we do per recording session, <laughs> the the more pronounced that gets. <laughs> uh, I think this
1: pod sauce is helping with that a little bit <laughs> because it's uh, clearing up my sinuses. It is quite
0: strong. It's got like pepper, uh, sriracha. Like, what what it was. Um. On here. So yeah, it's basically chicken stock. Black pepper, sriracha, and uh, tamari sauce. Wow, we've like got a black cloud of pepper on the bottom of this. <laughs> this is going to be good. So I was talking to Circuit23 recently, Mm-hmm. friend of the pod, Circuit23, <laughs> who is our resident podcast musician. Yes. And we were talking a little bit about... The original Doctor Who theme song itself, uh-huh. which is, on the show, it's officially credited to Ron Grainer and the BBC Radiophonic Workshop.
1: Mm.
0: However, it is largely largely done by this woman named Delia Derbyshire, mm. who Circuit 23 has told me is essentially like a pioneer of electronic music.
1: Gosh, I wonder why she wasn't credited in this incredibly progressive and forward-thinking show.
0: <laughs> well, I was actually pleased to read that Ron Grainer really tried to get her a credit and really fought okay. for it. That's something. But the BBC <laughs> oh, God. wanted to keep members of the BBC Radio Workshop, radiophonic Workshop anonymous. Mm. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. So... <laughs> whatever reason could that have been? Yeah. So they actually prevented Grainer from getting Derbyshire a credit. Ugh. Which, yeah, is a real shame, because it's an amazing piece of music. Yeah. I'm glad that you and Circus23 kind of looked that up and included that. Mm-hmm. I believe she was credited on screen eventually like, maybe, like, during the 50th anniversary episode or something. I don't remember exactly when, but uh-huh. she was credited on, on screen at some point during the run of New Who. Okay, well, that's 50 years later. Yeah. The the theme song itself, though, is really interesting. Uh, I should probably mention that I am reading much of this from Wikipedia on the Doctor Who theme music site if anyone wants to go look at it but the song was created you know all electronic electronically basically ron grainer had written the score but then each note was individually created by taking like analog tape recordings of either like a single plucked string or like white noise or just like Waveforms like oscillator noise basically, mm-hmm. and they would take that tape and just like cut it and splice it and like speed it up and slow it down to produce the various tones that they needed. That's so cool. Yeah. This says that the main pulsing bassline rhythm was created from a recording of a single plucked string played over and over again in different patterns, created by splicing copies of the sound. With different pitches and notes achieved by playing the sample at different speeds. Cool. Which I thought was really interesting. And yeah, then they like modified all the sounds through oscillators and they, you know, would like tape the tape together, like, you know, literally tape <laughs> it together yep. to put the notes in the right order. But then, you know, they'd have like, their baseline tape and like their melody line tape and like maybe they don't quite match up exactly so then you have to go in and trim like you know a quarter inch of tape from some note somewhere Uh to like actually get it to line up properly and this was before they really had like multi-track tape machines so they were like basically inventing multi-track recording technology like as they went Doctor Who. Which I thought was super cool. That's very cool. Apparently, when Ron Grainer heard the final result, he famously asked, did I write that? (laughs) And Delia Derbyshire's response was, most of it. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I thought that was pretty great. That's very cool. And as you all know, the Doctor's Watcher theme song is a sort of tribute and homage to the Doctor Who theme song itself. So we wanted to take a moment to thank Delia Derbyshire for being awesome.
1: Thank you for being awesome, Delia Derbyshire. So So, maybe before we start, I'm just going to drink the last (laughs) part of this pod broth and we'll see how hilarious this is because I'm seeing a lot of pepper down at the bottom of this. Nice. Let's we'll see if this is a disaster. All right, here goes. Bottoms up. Oh. <laughs> oh okay, hold on. <laughs> Got a glass of water as well. Wow, okay. Cool. Well, that is clearing my sinuses for sure. Awesome.
0: So here we are in episode 10, The Ordeal. The Ordeal. Benny, do you remember where we left off (laughs) in episode 9? Down with the Daleks! (laughs) So we we left off with Elian presumably falling into the water or Mm -hmm. getting... We don't know what happened Mm -hmm. to him. All we know is that his scream turned into a gurgle. (laughs) Our heroes all rush over to where Elian had been filling the water bags. And they see these water bags... But no Elion. ...floating in the water <laughs> in the midst of, like, a little bit of residual bubbling and churning. Mm-hmm. They all survey the scene, and Ian's like...
1: There's nothing we can do here.
0: And they all basically just move on.
1: uh uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess they could have tried diving in after Elion, but honestly that seems like a terrible idea if, yeah
0: if they would have tried that i would have made fun of them that probably w- w- would have been a pretty bad idea they are not equipped for dealing with like monsters Antidus and Ganatus actually aren't quite ready to move on to the next scene yet mm. they stay behind for a minute and Antidus is still very clearly nervous and scared just like he was in the last episode
1: I feel like, you know, if this is an all-volunteer group and they all agreed to come,
0: if someone changes their mind, maybe they should just, yeah, like, let like them turn back. They probably could have let Antidus go back. They've got other people. Like, yeah, it's okay. And I kind of feel like the other guy is worried that if one person
1: chickens out, then everyone else will, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it
0: seems a little, a little mean. Yeah, I a little, agree. A little cruel. As Antitus asks,
1: "Did Elion fall in? What happened?"
0: <laughs> and Genetus is just like,
1: "It must have happened very quickly. Come on now, we must reach the cliffs by tonight."
0: So I think Genetus is basically saying, "Like, don't worry about it. If you die on this quest, hopefully it'll be quick, like Elion." <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, reassuring. Actually, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's like super comforting for Antidus. <laughs> yes. He should be like totally ready to go now. <laughs> Susan, Dione, Aladdin, and the Doctor are in a different group mm-hmm. than the group we've been following. And they are using the Doctor's cool binocular spectacles that we've seen previously uh-huh. to check out the Dalek City. So, and, so like, make a map. They're in the taunting group, I assume. Right, or yeah. Or the distraction group, which I think I've only decided in my brain is going to consist of taunting the <laughs> So their first objective is to knock out the Daleks' radio and television waves mm-hmm. because the Daleks have the whole city under surveillance. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's stop that. The Doctor and Susan remind everyone that they all have speed, mobility, and the element of surprise on their side in this fight. Man, that's that's more than just intelligence. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's like three things plus (laughs) intelligence. And the doctor tells everyone...
1: I know it looks difficult, but we must try it, my friends. Yes, we must.
0: Yes. So, yeah, great little inspiring speech there. Yes. Aladdin wishes that he knew what the Daleks were planning, and we, the viewers are helpfully shown a brief Dalek planning scene at this point. Nice. We cut to the Daleks, and one Dalek delivers a report on the neutron bomb to some other Daleks. (laughs) And we learn, in hearing this Dalek deliver the report, that it will take them 23 days to construct a neutron bomb large enough to spread radiation over 500 square miles. Oh yeah, plenty of time then. Oh well, Ladulks decide that that's too long. Oh. <laughs> so they abandon the neutron plan okay. and decide they need to figure out some other way of spreading radiation. Uh-huh. Barbara and Ganetus, cutting back to our other group now, Barbara and Ganetus are off checking out some caves together mm-hmm. and just when they think it's trailing off to a dead end, Barbara hears a dripping noise which we, the viewers, have been hearing like this entire scene. It's just mm-hmm. been dripping in the background. Mm-hmm. Barbara finally hears this dripping noise and follows it and is able to find the continuation of the passageway. Cool. Ganetus chucks it out, and he observes that it's going to be a long crawl, and he says that maybe they won't use one of our Earth customs here, and barbara asks like which one or whatever and he says ladies first and she's like i should hope not
1: you know i was just getting ready to say that maybe now that he he uh, acknowledges or could acknowledge that barbara was the one who heard the uh, dripping noise and he might be like oh i'm glad you came along after all <laughs> eh he uh yeah. also how does he know about ladies first other than for the, I hesitate to say, gag.
0: Yeah, I mean, they haven't really been hanging out with the Thals that long. <laughs> like, has, has Ladies First really come up, like, so much already? <laughs> she reminds him that Ian told them not to take any chances. And he asks her if she always does what Ian says. And she pauses for a moment before responding. No, I don't. Hmm. I think is not quite a damn barber moment. It's kind of like on its way there. Yeah, I feel but like he's
1: he's using that to try to manipulate her though.
0: Yeah, it's it, like it did kind of feel a little bit gross. So Ganetus ends up coming to a drop off and he has Barbara like tie the rope off before he starts going down but the rope slips off the rock that she tied it on, and she tries to stop it, but he ends up dropping the rest of the way down Ooh. this drop. Yikes. Uh, fortunately, he's not hurt, and after lots of shouting back and forth and Ian and Aladdin and Antidus all showing up, it's established, or I think actually that was Ian and... Ganatus and Antidus. I was getting a bit confused about the names at one point. <laughs> Although I have to say they are all better names than Zaw and Cal and Horg <laughs> and Her. Yes. <laughs> We've said it before and I stick to that. Yeah. But after lots of shouting and back and forth and these other people showing up, it's established that everyone else might as well come down to where Ganitas is instead of vice versa Mm -hmm. because Ganitas has found that there are like several cave tunnels down here. But meanwhile, everyone else searching up has not really found anything worthwhile. Mm. We briefly cut to the Daleks and learn that they're having trouble with their rangoscopes and vibroscopes. Yes. Because the Thals, who are in the taunting group back in the forest are basically just like holding up giant mirrors <laughs> and reflecting light into the Daleks' instruments. Oh boy, I, I love these rangescopes and vibroscopes. Yeah. And yeah, I, I thought it was pretty great that, that the way you defeat them is just by <laughs> shining some light at them. I guess they don't have like a, a brightness <laughs> knob or whatever. Back in the caves, as everyone presses on, Antidus holds Ganetus back for a minute again and tries to convince Ganetus to let him leave and go back. Mm -hmm. He's like, man, like this cave journey really sucks. I always hated the underground levels. (laughs) And anyway, I also suck. I'm totally not useful or anything. These are compelling arguments. I rolled low stats when I made my character sheet. You don't need me, so like I might as well just go back and like I can tell the others that like you got this far at least. I'm convinced. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Ganetus isn't into it though. He's like, "No, no, no. We can't go back." And Antidus is like, "The others can't, but we could." hmm he's like
1: listen they're going to die anyway we could just go back and tell the others that the daleks
0: killed them <laughs> jeez ganetus ends up like wrestling with him basically to try to like forcefully prevent him from going back Uh huh. and in the process of this there's a rock fall it's not clear if their fighting caused it or if it was just coincidental, Uh but there's a rock fall and Antidus actually ends up pushing Ganitus out of the way of it Oh, and gets hit in the head in the process.
1: Oh, and rocks
0: fall. Yeah. Some people die. He doesn't actually die. It's a pretty minor injury. It seems, uh, of course, Antidus makes it out to be a big thing (laughs) because yeah,
1: I can't go on. I to turn back.
0: But Genetus says that he was very brave. hmm Of course, the rock fall makes this all a moot argument because now going back is no longer an option. Like, that way is blocked off now. But, but has he found his courage now? We'll see.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> Hi, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. But aside from that, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel welcome to drop us a line by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Meanwhile, I guess Susan and the Doctor have gone to the Dalek City. Uh we're in like three groups now we've split the party again this is kind of a lot spreading ourselves a bit thin yeah so they're in the dalek city and they find like what looked like a fuse box or something on the Mm -hmm. wall and the doctor is like oh sweet the fact that there's a single cable here basically proves my theory that the whole city's run on static electricity Oh, the old single cable system. Yep. We're all just like, cool, cool, yeah, a single cable. That that means static electricity for sure. Yeah, you know, you got AC, DC, SC <laughs> for a single cable. <laughs> uh-huh. So the doctor... I guess Aladdin is here with Susan and the doctor, and the doctor tells Aladdin to go tell his buddies to stop flashing their mirrors at the Dalek antennae. Okay. And to change their position from time to time, because the Daleks might, you know, get a signal on them or whatever. But clearly, he's just trying to get rid of Aladdin, because as soon as he's gone, the doctor says,
1: Dear, 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 that young man gets so agitated. <laughs>
0: And this is after Aladdin was kind of hemming and hawing as like the doctor starts trying to figure out his plan. Aladdin is like all worried about it, and so doctor's like, "Ah, yeah, just why don't you just leave and we'll we'll handle this stuff." Susan figures out how to open up the fuse box thingy. So who's who's left in the group? Is it just the doctor and Susan now? Yeah, just the two of them. It okay. was just the three and Aladdin left. Okay. Yeah, so Susan opens up the fuse box and the doctor helpfully talks her through what he's doing. Which is basically that first he kind of like smashes things up a bit with the end of his cane. Okay. And then he gets the TARDIS key from Susan. Hmm. He says, I can always make another one if necessary. And he uses the TARDIS key... He, like, sticks it into the fuse box to short-circuit it and to drain the power. So I guess, like, he's using this piece of metal, basically, that is the key (laughs) to, like, you know, divert electricity from where it's supposed to go off to something else. Did you have to use your only key? (laughs) And, you know, it's occurring to me just in the moment having just watched the rise of Skywalker yesterday uh-huh. and having watched the last Jedi the night before uh-huh. that the is it it's Benicio del Toro right yeah yeah his character kind of does a similar thing with Rose's yeah, little emblem pendant, thing, pendant. Yeah. yeah only in that case Rose got it back like right after the doctor just like shoves his key into the fuse box and leaves it there <laughs> <laughs> As soon as he does this, we hear an explosion in the distance. And he's like, aha, oh, yes, yes, yes. We short-circuited it, and the power went elsewhere. We don't know the extent of the damage yet. And <laughs> it's a good an explosion. These are, these are not real quotes at the moment. Uh, and Susan's like, yeah, cool, cool. Let's GTFO now. <laughs> that was the direct quote, so. <laughs> And the doctor says, but my dear child, don't you realize what I've done? Praise me. And he starts, like, re-explaining what he did and, like, talking about how smart he is and how cool it all was. We're not leaving until you tell me I'm cool and smart. Yeah. And Susan, of course, is like, no, really. We should probably, like, (laughs) GTFO, like, for reals. Yep. Tell me along the way. Uh Uh-huh. And the doctor looks up. Just in time to see a whole group of Daleks surrounding the two of them. Uh, oh, Doctor. Our cave heroes, Ian, Barbara, Ganitus, Christus, and Antidus. Uh-huh, wow. ...have found a chasm in the cave that they need to get past. So, while Barbara and Antidus and Christus kind of hang back and chill out for a bit, Ian and Ganetus go up to the chasm to check it out. And they see that there's a small ledge on the other side of the chasm. That's handy. And they drop a rock down into the chasm. Like you do. And it falls for several seconds before they hear it hit the bottom. So they decide that climbing down and back up the other side is probably not really an option. Uh-huh. And they've kind of look it over and decide that... Despite the small landing space on the other side, they're going to have to jump it. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So how, how wide is this crevasse? Ca- I would ca- say three to four feet probably. Oh, okay. So like, like
1: it's not impossible.
0: Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily be like an easy jump, no. but a, it, it would be doable. Okay. I was picturing something like it, a bit wider. <laughs> Ian goes first. He ties a rope to himself and, you know, leaves the other end on, on the side with Everready. Okay, is someone holding the other end or... Uh, I think just, so, yeah. Okay, okay. They don't, like, tie it up to anything or whatever, though. They're just just well, holding I, it. I For a second, I thought he just, like, dumped the other <laughs> on the ground. He's like, okay, good to go. Uh-huh. So he ties the rope, ties himself up, and he, you know, backs up to give himself a nice running head start. And... He jumps the gap and basically goes face first into the cliff face on the other side, uh, which is what he wants to do, because there's only, like, a two-foot landing zone. Okay. Uh, but, you know, he, he lands in the, the two feet available. Mm-hmm. And... So does the
1: passageway continue on from there, or...? They don't know yet. Okay, because, yeah, it feels like just moving everyone to this ledge just to be on the ledge is
0: maybe not the best idea if there's only two feet of landing space. Well, there's a... I guess it's, it's like, two feet deep. It's a a bit wider. Okay. Uh, So Ian kind of, you know, gets himself situated on the other side, and you know, kind of moves over a little bit and basically convinces himself that there's enough room for two people on this ledge. Okay. And (laughs) so then Ganetus gets himself ready and ties himself up and takes a running start and jumps across. He's lucky enough not to go face-first into the cliff face. He basically jumps into Ian's waiting arms. (laughs) (laughs) So Ganetus gets situated and kind of explores a bit further. Ian helps him as he kind of gets around this tricky corner off of the landing ledge. And Ganetus discovers that around this tricky corner, the tunnel continues and he doesn't need the rope anymore. It's pretty easy. So they decide that they should bring the others over and continue on. Meanwhile, we cut back into the city where... Susan and her grandfather are now captives of the Daleks. Yeah. And. Seems like, yeah, it
1: seems like our our heroes get captured fairly often.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is only the second serial, and they've already been captured, like, more than two times. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The Daleks are like, what the fuck? You broke our video scopes. Oh, and also one of our elevators. I mean, lifts because we're British. And the doctor's like, yeah, and you killed a bunch of Thals. And the Daleks are like, yeah, I mean, basically we want to kill all of them, so that was totally cool. (laughs) (laughs) Man, these Daleks have got an attitude. They do actually use a form of what will be their favorite word in the future here. (laughs) They say... The only interest we have in the Thals is their total extermination. Nice. Everyone take a shot, except I'm I'm out of hot sauce. The doctor learns the new plan from the Daleks. He basically just asks what their plan is, and they tell him. (laughs) The new plan is that tomorrow they're just going to bombard the atmosphere with a whole bunch of radiation from their nuclear reactors. I don't know why didn't think of that first. It seems like building a bomb is both harder and more prone to, like, going horribly wrong. Yeah. It actually says here in my notes, why wasn't this the original plan? <laughs> a valid question. If it's actually going to work, it seems much simpler and much more long-term sustainable <laughs> yep. than building a neutron bomb. Yes. The doctor's like,
1: That's sheer murder.
0: And the Dalek says,
1: no extermination.
0: Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty great. The Daleks have a sense of humor. <laughs> it's pretty dark humor, but it's pretty much just that one joke. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I guess I shouldn't say the Daleks have a sense of humor. I should just say the Daleks have a joke. Yes. But they, but they use that joke over over and over. Yes. The Daleks. Do the whole thing where they all try to say a line together, Mm. but they don't get it right. (laughs) (laughs) They say slightly different lines, but since this is the BBC in the 60s and we're gonna be like throwing this away and recording over it anyway, you know, after we air this episode, like why bother getting a better take? Let's just go with this. So one of the Daleks says, Tomorrow, we will be the masters of the planet, Skaro. And the other Daleks say, Tomorrow, the Daleks will be the masters of the planet. Hmm. It was pretty funny. I mean, like, it's not like the
1: Daleks' voice actors are presumably doing much else. They're probably just sitting in front of a microphone, looking at the script and reading off
0: of it. Right. I don't think they're... Even the ones inside of the Daleks driving them around. I think those are different people. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so one of them says we and the others say the Daleks. One of them names the planet. The others don't. It sounds, you know, like the first word or two is all in unison, but then like the rest of it is off. Tomorrow, the Daleks will be the masters of the planet. planet. But yeah, let's go with that.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of curious about the Dalek who like, kept talking and he's looking at the others like, What, what <laughs> happened, you
0: guys? I, I thought this was our line. <laughs> Back in the cave, Barbara has no problem jumping the chasm. Nice. And she also lands in Ian's waiting arms. And. But he holds her a little longer than Ganatos. I think she actually does spend a couple moments longer than strictly necessary. <laughs> Getting her breath back before Ian helps her around the corner to where Ganetus is waiting. Christus follows across, also with no problem. Okay. That just leaves Antidus to jump the chasm. Mm, He just suffered a head wound. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, nothing can possibly go wrong here. (laughs) Nope. With the scared, nervous kid who wants to go back who just recently suffered a head wound. (laughs) So Ian throws the rope over to Antidus. This is the rope that's still tied around Ian's waist. Uh-huh. He throws the other end over to Antidus, who is kind of standing at the edge, just kind of staring blankly down into the chasm. Uh-huh. And Ian throws the rope over, and it literally just bounces off of Antidus' chest and like falls down into the chasm. Hmm. So Ian pulls it back up, and he's like, uh, my fault, bad throw. Which hit you exactly square in the uh-huh. chest. And he tells Antidus to move back from the edge a little bit. And he's like, all right, this time, like, actually catch it. Yeah. And he throws it again. And this is pretty funny. He basically bounces it off of Antidus's head and over his shoulder. <laughs> so now it's, like, it's draped over Antidus' Antidus's shoulder. It's and a like, throw. Yeah, not only did Antidus get hit in the face with it, but he's also, like, forced to actually acknowledge its presence. Yeah. The next little bit, I watched a few times to really see what happened, or what I think happened. Uh Uh-huh. And Antidus ties the end of the rope to himself around his waist, Mm -hmm. and he goes back, gets the same running head start that everyone else got. So he does try. Yeah. He actually jumps the chasm and lands on the ledge Mm -hmm. and what I saw is that he lands the jump, but he kind of jumps into Ian, who maybe is not quite prepared for it, and kind of fumbles the catching of him a little bit, Mm -hmm. and maybe I'm not sure, I think if this happens it's accidental, but maybe Ian actually pushes Antidus off the ledge. One way or another, Antidus goes off the ledge. Yikes. Whether he fell or, or accidentally got pushed or what, something happens. And, of course, he's on the rope that's tied to Ian. hmm So Ian tries desperately to find something to grab onto uh-huh. and not go over himself, while Antidus just dangles literally at the end of his rope yelling about how he needs help and he can't hold on. Uh-huh. And with this next episode oh, dang. the rescue appears on screen and credits roll. Wow, that is like almost literally a cliffhanger. I think that's actually in my notes for episode 11. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a uh, quite
1: the ending. I was honestly surprised that Antidus like even tried. I thought that he was going to be like, "Wait a second. Last time I tried to run, you know, Ganadus wrestled me into staying, but now he's on the other side. You're on the other side like Oh, yeah, like I he could just Well, I guess he can't cuz the the rocks falling blocked his way out. Yeah, he would
0: have needed to find a new path, which I don't know yeah if there were any other options. It yeah. kind of seemed like a pretty railroady level. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking that when they were jumping the legend.
1: I was like, well, is there even a way past? Of course there's a way past. It's just, you know, a passageway within sight or once you're there, you can find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I, I really had to watch the end a few times. Yeah, because I'd, I'd be curious to actually watch a clip of that. Yeah, um, for sure. So that I can see if I can, you know, if I think he got pushed or fumbled or... Right. If he just kind of fell, I I do want to be very clear that I don't think Ian deliberately pushed him. Yeah, no, I don't see why like, he would. Yeah, I mean, Ian. Know, we 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 joke there's about, No reason to
1: do that. And yeah, we, we joke about people being jerks, and they are sometimes about <laughs> certain things. But
0: like pushing someone off a cliff, I think is like that's a bit the much. Page. Yeah, yeah. I think what happened was basically just that Ian fumbled the catching. Yeah, and I don't know if that was Ian's fault or Antidus' fault. Yeah, but it was definitely an interesting way to end the episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, it certainly, you know, is a good, certainly is a good classic cliffhanger.
0: Yeah, I think they are—they're defining the term cliffhanger here.
1: Oh, so I guess he's the, not
0: hanging on the edge of the cliff; okay. he's dangling over the right. cliff, a cliff. It's a cliff. It's a cliff dangler. <laughs> I do have to say,
1: like, on this in this episode, um, one of the things I really like in this episode is the weird science of, oh, there's a single cable, that's how you know it runs on static electricity, <laughs> and if you short it out, you get an explosion uh-huh. somewhere, like, who who wired this, this town, <laughs> this city, who are the electricians
0: in charge of the city's electrical grid? Yeah, I mean, grid? they've talked about how the Daleks are clearly all about, like, science and technology, <laughs> but... But yeah, apparently not not basic science and technology, just like the super complex stuff like range and vibroscopes
1: or, or it's like you know when techie people design your interface and it's like this makes sense to me like you just <laughs> click up here you click down there you hit save you go back there you see if it's changed and you toggle it and then you just like, wait a second hold why on. should we hire a designer yeah <laughs> you know no one's gonna stick a key in here like who cares <laughs> if it <they don't> would explode <laughs> cool well as usual, I'm curious to see what happens next. Indeed. I want to know what happens to poor Antidus, because I kind of feel like if something bad happens, then he could legitimately at this point claim that he's been trying his best to get out of it. <laughs> um, and, you know, the Doctor and Susan are captured, and, yeah, it's uh, it's not looking so good for our heroes, but it also feels like we're moving into the grand finale. Indeed, the one that we thought would be last episode. Yes, I mean, okay, yeah. Who knows how many more episodes they're going to drag it out for? But but they've got you know they've got their audience. I mean, they've got me kind of second-hand secondhand, <laughs> wanting to know what
0: happens. Yeah, next. I did when I was originally watching these. I'm pretty sure I watched the previous one and this one and the next one all in one sitting. Cool. And I think I was fallen asleep towards the end but i think that was because (laughs) of the time of day and not because of the episode okay fair enough so with that let's move on to the next episode which you our listeners will hear in two weeks okay
1: bye bye so kyle showed me the scene where entities jumps and ian I guess, tries to catch him. And it is really hard to tell what's supposed to be happening. Because Antetis runs, and then he jumps, and then the next shot, like, it's cut very quickly. Like Running is one cut, him jumping is a very, very quick cut, and then there's um, him, and he's already on the ledge with Ian, and Ian looks like, it does look a bit like a shove. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm coming to. Is it does look like a shove, but it also could be that Antitus hit him with such force that it sort of hit Ian into the wall behind him, and he rebounded a bit. Um,
0: I was kind of wondering if that. I mean, but you can't tell you. Who knows? I think um, that must be what happens, but also. I think I'm probably giving Ian the benefit of the doubt in my head cannon.
1: Like, I'm pretty sure he didn't shove him on purpose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of messy to see, and probably they just had one take to do it. And yeah, I'm sure that's, that's what true. we got. So um, that doesn't really clear up the mystery at all,
0: but we tried. <laughs> we tried. Hi, Kyle here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who. And thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at Dr. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher.